You're listening to a Sharesies podcast. It is the 18th of October. Welcome to Recap, made for you by Sharesies. Sharesies is a wealth development platform where our purpose is to create the most financially empowered generation. First you get the power, then you get the financial disclaimer. Investing involves risk. You aren't guaranteed to make money and you might lose the money you started with. Any information we provide is general only and current at the time. If you're looking for help with your investment choices, we recommend talking to a licensed financial advice provider. G'day Alice. Hey Jose, how's it going? Good thanks, welcome to a brand new week here on Recap. Yeah, what was the main highlight from your weekend? We uh, went to uh, the Shakespeare Bay Park in north of Auckland, just to get outside of course. And spent uh, probably way too long trying to work out whether Pukeko was a take or not. Oh, that was that, was that was a good one. That sounds great. What about you? What did you get up to this weekend? Well, I jumped on the bandwagon of probably millions of other people oh. who have watched Squid Game. So I started watching that. Um, Thoughts? It's, it's that latest Netflix show. Yeah, yeah, that everyone's talking about. It's sort of like the Tiger King yeah. of this lockdown, really. How did that, how, what's your immediate and brief thoughts? Well, I'm only two episodes in, but so far so good. I'm definitely hooked. But I actually noticed, um, I read an article on CNN this morning. Apparently, Netflix have said that 117 million Netflix accounts have watched Squid Game. Um, And this is quite a a timely stat, actually, as Netflix is due to release their quarterly earnings um, this week, I think, tomorrow in the US. Um, So people are sort of wondering if, you know, how this will impact on Netflix's financials. Right. It's got to make an appearance, surely. Yeah, that's that's fascinating. I'll look forward to that announcement later on this week. Um, Should we get things going, Alice? Absolutely. So I'm going to start things off with a local news story. Very good. All right. So what's been happening today? So TNG Global gave an earnings update to the market this morning. Ah, can you remind us uh, what TNG does? Yeah, so TNG or Turners and Growers, as I imagine many Kiwis would uh, recognise the company as, they grow, market and export fruit and vegetables. So the company began over 120 years ago here in Aotearoa, uh, but they're now located in 13 countries. In fact, their produce actually ends up with customers and consumers in over 60 different countries. Mm, Okay, so what was on this announcement this morning? So as I mentioned, it was related to an earnings update. Uh, TNG's financial year end is the 31st of December. So the company gave some guidance of what they forecast their net profit to be for the year. Uh, Now today, they said they forecast their profit to be between $4 million and $10 million. Mm, So what's that in the context of how TNG has previously performed? Good question. So last year, TNG made $16.6 million in profit. So today's forecast is as much as a 76% drop in profit from last year. That's, um, you know, if they come in at that sort of lower end of that range. Mm. So TNG, as you uh, could expect, they described this outlook as disappointing, uh, but that it does reflect updated forecasts across the company's different business units. So what were some of the things driving this? So TNG highlighted challenges in three parts of the business, uh, but there was an underlying theme across them all. Any guesses what that might be? Well, I'm going to say the global supply chain troubles. 
Yeah, you're exactly right. So uh, firstly, if we take a look at TNG's Apple's businesses, uh, they said that they've they've had shipping challenges here and that's impacted pricing and costs, uh, especially they said in the Northern Hemisphere and in Asia. Now, secondly, in TNG's international trading business, um, they said that this has also been impacted by the shipping delays, but they've also had challenges in accessing markets as well as supply shortages. Uh, now, these um, issues they said were particularly in the US and in Australia. And then what was the third reason? Yeah, so in TNG Fresh, which is TNG's domestic business um, for the fresh produce they sell in New Zealand, they said that this part of the company has been impacted by COVID-19. So this has created labour shortages, you know, from borders being closed and that, and that's also created high labour costs for the company. Uh, it's also impacted the pricing of season seasonal produce lines. Um, and then they've also had the COVID impact of food outlets and food services being closed with lockdowns. Um, and then, again, coming back to those shipping delays uh, for produce that they import. Mm, just shows you how widespread the issue is. So uh, a lot going on there. What did TNG have to say about all this? So they said they're continuing to adapt to the challenges of the current operating environment. And the board said that they're confident that, you know, some of these actions they're making will result in significant improvements in performance over the next year. And lastly, how did TNG's share price react to all this news? Yeah, good good question. At the time of recording, TNG's share price was down 1.7% for the day. In the meantime, it sounds like it's been a bit more dramatic than usual over in Hollywood, Jose. Mm, uh, yes, absolutely. So during the weekend over in North America, the film and TV industry narrowly avoided a union-led strike involving at least 60,000 workers, which would have stopped production in its tracks. Now, this was being compared to the 2007 writer's strike, which you might remember went on for months and it led to TV shows being cancelled and production being halted for quite some time. Oh, wow. So who were the parties involved this time? Right. So on one side, you had the IATSE, or the International Alliance of Theatrical Stage Employees. I'm going to refer to it as the union from now on, because that's uh, quite an acronym or initialism. It's a union that includes uh, 150,000 crew members in both, the Can in both Canada and the US. Its members include just about everybody on a TV or film set, uh, from makeup artists to technicians, electricians, uh, stagehands, craftspeople, you name it, they're probably in the union. Well, okay, so then on the other side, who have we got there? Yeah, so on the other side is the Alliance of Motion Picture and Television Producers, or AMPTP. So this is a trade association of uh, producers of studios that's responsible for negotiating almost all guild and union contracts. And its members include listed companies such as Walt Disney, Amazon, Apple, and Netflix. Okay, and so then what was being negotiated? Right, so the main one was equitable working hours. So it's not uncommon f to be expected to work 14-hour days, and with the explosion of demand for content, crews were finding a lot of work, which is good, but they were finding less time to recharge between productions. So there were a lot of reports of exhaustion, uh, so, you know, crews moving from one produ uh, project onto the next one immediately, and accordingly the union was asking for, at the very least, a 10-hour turnaround, a turnaround being uh, this, the time between production days. So they were also looking to end a lower pay scale for some of the smaller streaming services. So apparently if you have uh, less than 20 million subscribers, uh, you can pay lower wages to crews. All right, and before you said that a strike was narrowly avoided, so how close did that get? 
Yeah, so at the end of September, after talks had stalled, the union's members voted overwhelmingly, like 98% in fact, to approve a strike if a deal couldn't be made. And the deadline for that was for the 18th of October, so that would have been tonight New Zealand time. So, so pretty darn close. It would have been the first major crew strike since World War II. Now, the new three-year contract includes a 10-hour turnaround between shifts, uh, 54 hours of rest over the weekend, increased health and pension plan funding, and a 3% uh, rate increase every year for the duration of the contract. So is that all done now? Like, is this deal done and signed? Uh, not quite. So the union membership has to ratify the new contract in a vote, which uh, apparently won't be held for a few weeks yet. The lawyers have to do a thing and write up the, the new form of the contract. While many are happy with the deal, I was reading a story in Variety which seemed to suggest that there was still a lot of dissatisfaction among crew members. Uh, basically, we'll just have to wait and see. And for our last story of the day, you have some news from Australia, do you not, Alice? I sure do. So this news is from Zipco, which is a payment solution company listed on the Australian Stock Exchange. So they operate a buy now, pay later service that's currently available in six countries. It's in New Zealand, Australia, the UK, the US, Canada and Mexico. And the buy now, pay later sector, as we've talked about on Recap before, refers to payment services that allow a customer to buy a good now and pay it off over a series of payments. So it includes the likes of Afterpay, Klarna, Layby and Zip. So what was Zip's news today? So they released their quarterly results. Uh, this was for the first quarter of Zip's financial year, which ended on the 30th of September. And how did Zip go? Uh, Zip recorded a uh, record quarterly revenue of just under 137 million Australian dollars. So this was up almost 90% compared to this time last year. On top of that, Zip reported record quarterly transaction volume. So that's like the value of transactions that go through the buy now pay later service. Uh, so that number came in at $1.9 billion. That's about double compared to a year ago. And what about the number of shoppers and merchants using the platform? Those metrics also grew during the quarter. Zip's customer numbers are now at 8 million, which is up 177% compared to a year ago. And the number of merchants that uh, use the platforms, that's like, you know, shops or chains of shops that use Zip as a payments um, option. That number has now passed 55,000, uh, and that's 70% higher compared to a year ago. Right. So Zip must have been pretty pleased with this growth then. Well, Zip's managing director, Larry Diamond, he said that this was another very strong set of numbers for the quarter. He said that uh, the continued growth of the business across all key metrics in the face of significant external challenges yet again proves the resilient of the Zip business. So he said, quote, Zip is well on its way to becoming the first payment choice everywhere and every day. Thanks very much, Alice. And thanks to you so much for listening. That was Recap for the 18th of October. Please consider giving us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps other people find Recap. Ka kite Bye, see you tomorrow. Bye.